Good evening, dandies. Welcome to Undetermined, the podcast. Hello. Here we are. John, nice to finally get to talk to you. Yes. This is, uh, this is great. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Oh man, thanks for coming on. Yeah. I appreciate you been uh digging back through the uh, episodes and say you enjoy the show. That's always good to hear. Yeah. It's become my total like kind of binge listen while I'm riding my bike or whatever right now. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool to hear. I mean, I'm a little I'm a little cowed by the company I'm keeping oh. here, you know. Like at the last one I listened to, I think was the Matthew Chamberlain, yeah, you know, episode. And I'm like, oh my god, there's a guy who actually knows what he's doing, like back and forth. <laughs> and, now, and now we've got the guy who just bangs on the guitar and screams a little bit. No, nah, man, uh, uh, selling yourself short. Uh, yeah, definitely more worthy than that. Yeah, I've been listening to Baybirds a lot over the course of the last couple of days since I bought. I'm looking forward to getting my record itching for that yeah thanks so much for the order i threw i threw a couple extras in there for you so you know hopefully oh cool so i need to do that i was waiting for a uh, Bandcamp friday oh that's awfully nice of you my line on Bandcamp friday is that if any organization has ever earned its cut it's Bandcamp. yeah and you know so yeah so i almost i almost feel bad when people i mean i appreciate it it's like you know it makes it my heart grows three times every time somebody wants to make sure that we get every penny Mm-hmm. Just so you know, we have no problem with those people getting their money. All right. Well, fuck you. I'll order it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually, right when I messaged you that, and I was like, oh, yeah, I want to buy this album. And I was like, yeah, I just bought your album. I got it hit with the fraud department thing from my bank. Oh, no. <laughs> Well, that's because we funnel all of our all of our money through a bank in the in the Caribbean. So right, right. Probably, yeah, <laughs> it's the only way we can handle the vol- the volume. He doesn't even think he's a real musician. He's a fraud. <laughs> <laughs> it's all yeah. Washed by the yakuza and the Russian mob. <laughs> but no, it's it actually turns out it's because I'm buying too much shit on Bandcamp. That's what it is. Oh God, yeah. And I, I think somebody's hacked me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Well, when the wife asks, yeah, baby, that's totally what happened. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Exactly. She'll come back to me. Don't worry. They're going to prosecute some guy named John in Chicago. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be long gone by then. I'll be long gone. Go out of the clink. Yeah. Uh, You'll skip town on that treasure. Yeah. So the two of you, you're in uh, Missouri and Kansas City, mm-hmm. right? That's that's where the two of you. I mean, I know. So Matt, you're in Kansas City, and John, you're in Columbia. Is that right? Yep. Because mm-hmm. I've got a little bit of history. Well, actually, Christy, the woman who was nice enough to marry me, she like spent a long, a big chunk of grad school in Columbia. So she, okay. she, so I've I've been able to visit that place a lot, and I lived in Lawrence, Kansas for a long time. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like in the, in the mid nineties, I, I actually uh, was a co-owner of a bookstore in downtown Lawrence, Kansas for, huh. for a couple of years there. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, that, that would have been like 93 through 96 or something like that. Okay. What store? It was called Terra Nova and they were, we were right down on mass street, like in the 900 block of mass street. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was great. I mean, cause when we were there, Burroughs was still alive and he was a regular customer of ours. 
Oh, yeah. We had the store that was like the literary philosophy, queer, you know, the weirdo bookstore. It was awesome. There were like three bookstores downtown. There was the place that did bestsellers, the place that did mysteries. And then there was us. You know, I would look up from the counter in this store that I own where I'm selling all of my favorite books. And like, because Burroughs lives there, Allen Ginsberg would suddenly be in my right. store. Holy shit. Richard Hell or Michael Stipe. You know, it was like, it was incredible. It was a really exciting time to be there. Wow. We could talk about that for an hour. He's <laughs> well, my memory's not so good, so I could probably <laughs> only talk about it for a little bit. Plus, plus, there was a lot of trauma involved. You know, borders opened up right around the corner from us back when mm. they were expanding so insanely, and that's why we had to close. So, yeah, they're not doing too well now. No, no. <laughs> I, I wish I could say I had the last laugh, but I closed before they did, so I guess I can't. Yeah, I think Jeff Bezos did. She really had the last laugh there. Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff about Burroughs and his past that you just, you, well, I tend to forget about all the time. Yeah. Just like the, the ministry phase and stuff and him hanging out with uh, Al Jurgensen all the time. And it's like, yeah, that's an odd pair. Yeah. Uh, I think there's probably also a lot of stuff about the Burroughs story that's probably best to kind of forget. Oh, right. He killed his wife. Oops. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was pretty funny because, I mean, he would buy a lot of books at our store, but he was also like, he came to our store. We had to make sure we carried Cat Fancy Magazine. Mm. <laughs> like, oh. like, we had to make sure we held his copy of Cat Fancy Magazine. <laughs> Otherwise, he, he might not ever show up anymore, you know? Wow. And then also Gun Magazines. It's yeah. like he, mm -hmm. was, he was Gun Magazines and Cat Fancy. Like, he was the only customer where that Venn diagram came together, I think. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Probably uh -huh. the only one ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's the Midwest, man. A lot of people yeah. like guns and cats. Yeah. That's that's true. <laughs> Andy Paddlin talked about uh, being friends with Ted Nugent, and Oof. he actually likes cats. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. we, we found out that he just doesn't like feral cats. There's the difference. Oh, oh yes. I see. Mm. We know he likes um, guns. Right. right. So he might be the same. All right. See, I always kind of thought of Ted Nugent as a feral cat. So this yeah. is really, this is kind of confusing to me. Yeah. Well, I think that kind of the same problem exists with feral cats and house cats is you can't really ID them or profile them. <laughs> but uh, the right loves to do that. And uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, it's right. an interesting argument to make, you know. Hey, hey Ted, how, how do you know that cat has papers or doesn't have papers? <laughs> I think you're just assuming because it's a cat and it's outside. Oh, that's amazing. Right. That cat could have a house. Well, the domesticated cats have the chips. <laughs> and... <laughs> and John, do you know do you know the ice cream shop in downtown Columbia, Sparky's? Sparky's, yes. Oh, Sparky's is awesome. I lived in Columbia for, what, eight years? Mm -hmm. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, long time. The owner of that is actually one of Christie's like best old friends. Oh, okay. Scott. Yeah. Scott. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they go way back. Wow. Yeah. I want to steal paintings every time I go in there. Oh my God. Isn't it so much fun? Yeah, it's great art in there. Yeah. Like all this kind of outsider amateur portraits that he's just been collecting forever. Uh -huh. It's so cool. And it's never for sale. Nah. Uh, yeah. You know, that's the problem. Yeah. No, he's, he's never, he'll never sell them. He has no yeah. desire to sell them. You yeah. Know? 
every once in a while one will blow through and he's like yeah i'll sell that you know the artist just came through here or whatever it's like yeah but it's not as good as that one scott <laughs> he's like i know that's why i'm not selling it and those puppet, <laughs> the, those stuffed animals he has those little uh yeah. homemade nightmare looking uh crocheted stuffed animals that he has all yeah yeah yeah, yeah. right the concrete bulldog out front the yeah sparky yeah, right that's and sparky. the is pretty good too so it yeah, is it's got yeah. a whole the whole package. Yeah. Were you aware of the big crazy thing? Remember, like, uh, what was it? It's like ten years ago now, when we had like the all the um, cicadas hit at the same time. Yeah. Oh, I think that I think that's coming back around. Some like maybe even this summer. I think so. I don't. I can't. I heard. I heard it was coming back around, and I. I think it might be this summer. But anyway, it's so Sparky's made like national news that year because they made fucking cicada ice cream. That's right. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd forgotten about that. Amazing. Yeah, he tried to tell everybody. He's like, "Look, these things are, you know, extremely dried out. They're, you know, all the gross parts are removed. Everything, and they were like, put it in an autoclave or something to sterilize them. Even mm-hmm. it's like you can't even taste them. It was just kind of a novelty. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was, yeah, it was the same year. Like the seven year and the seventeen year cicadas came out. And they were just everywhere. Wow. So it was just kind of a tribute to that. But oh yeah, people cracked down on them so bad just for that little novelty. They were going to shut them down. Really? Yeah. Christy and I did a culinary vacation in Mexico once. Mm. And I'm I didn't eat any. My excuse was cuz I'm vegetarian, but Christy was like popping crickets like like <laughs> like popcorn. Huh. <laughs> just like, just yeah. like these dried fried crickets. You'd be like, "Oh, okay, you know." Mm-hmm. They'd be in the guacamole or whatever. It was amazing. <laughs> right. Well, there's really not a lot to them. Yeah. You know, I've tasted some that are just like seasoned and cooked, and it's like they're just salty. All you taste is the seasoning. Yeah, just yeah. the salt. They just taste like salty, crunchy things. And they're the protein like source that supposedly could like save humanity. Oh, right? yeah. Which I think is inc- incredibly cool. Yeah. If Americans could just get over eating bugs. Yeah. That's that's all it is. But yeah, there'd be so much more we could do with that. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, they were like one of the first ice cream joints around here, too, to start putting booze in ice cream. And that was controversial for missouri at the time now uh-huh. booze and ice cream is just <laughs> everywhere <laughs> you know yeah they had like guinness floats and stuff and i thought that was great but yeah you have a lot of friends in lawrence too oh yeah yeah friends and listeners in kansas like friends from early to mid 90s anybody that i might like still yeah mark hennessy do you know him or uh, he he's a pretty big reader too he's a poet <laughs> uh but he was a, he's a lead singer at that time he would have been a lead singer of paw yeah 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 totally I, again my memory's not super clear but i remember meeting that dude mm-hmm. at least once i mean yeah it was an exciting time to be there too because i mean vitreous humor was still doing their thing and he had paw and then there was like the big kind of americana thing that was happening at right. the same time and everyone's like t-shirt it was just it was uh and i was i i think i even i think if if I remember correctly, I even played in a band there. We were called Black Lung, and we just played songs about coal mining. Nice. <laughs> 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 it was fun. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't the kind of music I'd ever made before, or ever really wanted to make. It was very blue, grassy, and Americana. And I mm-hmm. I was actually playing just the snare drum with brushes, and I, you know, getting that train thing going on that was like my entire job and that and singing the high lonesome vocals in the background but i mean we we could get gigs that band in lawrence kansas at that time could get a gig like at the drop of a hat you know yeah i hope it's just as easy when they kick back up yeah you know after this after this mess is over but yeah mark uh his newer band well he's in a few but uh godzillionaire it's so good we check them out yeah oh, so I good. Should. 
Yeah, I don't think I knew about them. It's it's better than Paw, and I really love Paw. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, much more consummate of a sound. I would check them out. We'll send you a link. Awesome. Uh, Thank you. Check them out. And, and, uh, but yeah, he's also, he's been, this happened too right at the break of the pandemic, but he's was picked as the, uh, new lead singer for, uh, Primitive Race, Hmm. taking Chuck Mosley's, uh, old job in that. uh, God, man, Chuck Chuck Mosley just can't hold a gig down, can he? Well, he's dead. Yeah, so that that kind of hurts. That's probably part of it. That's probably part of it. There you go. All right. If we could edit edit that part out, my sad attempt at a joke, that would be fucking awesome. Thank you. He had a yeah. He had a hard time before that, though. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, for certain. Everybody instantly just went, "Who's the this asshole?" Nah, yeah. I, I think there are probably people that don't know. I don't, there's a ton of people who don't know who the hell Chuck Mosley was. It barely got on my radar when he died. Um, it really did. The only the only time I ever saw Faith No More was actually when Chuck Mosley was still in the band. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The mm-hmm. the We Care a Lot era, yeah. and they were great. I mean, just yeah. like a, just a mind bogglingly great fun show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had uh, Billy Gold on. Yeah. Oh gosh, about a year ago. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. That's right. I saw that as I was trying to decide which which episodes I'm going to listen to before I actually talk to you guys. Uh, again, just the list is just astounding. I appreciate that. We don't we don't know how we do it, but yeah, thank you. Yeah, we don't know either. It's dumb luck. Just very nice people are willing to take a risk and you know and just be like, yeah, I'll do your show. I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. It's it. We're amazed. I mean, but you don't know if you don't ask. Yeah. You know, same guy that introduced us. It was you know a lead through. Uh, Conan Neutron that uh, got us Billy. Mr. Conan? Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, he's good at making those connections. He's like the impresario of Midwestern rock these days. He is. Oh, he really is. Yeah, yeah. we really feel blessed that we kind of stumbled into him or he stumbled into us. Yeah. Yeah, just one of the hardest working dudes, too. Oh, yeah. The guy just is ne- never off, you know. It's, it's super impressive. Yeah. And all the way to both coasts and just, the, yeah. you know, the bands he's played with, the bands he's endorsed, he's got to be going out of his mind not being able to play live right now. Yeah, he'd been touring like crazy with the with the Secret Friends for a little while there. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, the band I'm in, a band called Nonagon, you know, 2020 was going to be the year of Nonagon. We, like, we, had scheduled, <laughs> we had scheduled like three small tours and we had like, you know, we had this record in the can that we were going to be you know really excited about getting out and all of this stuff and it was just like well the universe is telling us something here it was a total bummer yeah now the uh the they birds lp that's that's the first lp you've recorded if i've got it right right first lp yeah i mean we had a, a string of eps right i mean i don't know if you can call them a string if there's one every five years or whatever but um right and then and then we did some split seven inches with a couple folks and that was it so yeah and we kind of thought we would always be the ep band right like you know when, when we sat down to decide what we wanted to 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 record like oh well you know i guess we only have like five songs we're really excited about let's just do that because you know recording songs you're not really excited about is like a waste of everybody's time and money so we just decided you know we sat down and we're like hey you know i think we'd like to record again and we looked at the songs we were excited about i'm like oh my god i think we i think we actually have a record here like (laughs) how did that happen yeah (laughs) still it's very punk rock i mean hell the sex pistols made a whole career out of that you know yeah uh just doing ep after ep and 
really putting together, you know, one or two big albums. That's about it. Yeah. Heavily iconic rock band. Yeah. Another good example of somebody who, you know, weren't necessarily the greatest people, <laughs> but made some good music. We were talking about earlier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very true. And it's borne itself out to be true again and again and again Yeah, um, with those guys. Yeah. I mean, especially that Sid Vicious. He's still around, right? He hasn't. Mm. He's like, how many other, how many other <laughs> iconic rock stars I can proclaim living? Yeah, it's not a huge faux pas. I mean, Jesus, I'm even looking back at like the last year or two, and I guess we're kind of getting to that age to where you know people are just they're going to start dying off, especially if they were your heroes and they're like 30 years older than you. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, but I, I still run into people all the time. Like, oh yeah, he died. Yeah, he died just last year, and you don't, you know, you remember the big ones like Bowie, and right? Shit like that. But I mean, you know, there, you know, whenever anybody would die, like when when Strummer died, or you know, whatever, there was always this like this huge outpouring, and mm -hmm. you know, and there are certain ones that I felt as a personal loss as well. I mean, Joe Strummer being one of them, just an incredibly important person in my life. Sure. You know, obviously, somebody I've never met for more than four seconds. You know. Right. Just that creeping feeling that like, look, we're, we're exactly what you said. We're in that zone <clears throat> where everybody's going to be kind of dropping off right now. Like everybody that's ever been every hero you've ever had. Yeah. You know, th this is the decade, <laughs> you know, so, yeah. so guard your heart a little bit, you know, I'm going to bring that up with Eddie Van Halen next week. Yeah. <laughs> What's he doing? <laughs> I haven't heard much from him lately. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, God. This joke has officially made it impossible to cut my faux pas. Exactly. You know? Too many, too many callbacks. It's baked in. Oh, my God. Too many callbacks. No, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> It'll be endearing. Right. Most people don't even know who Chuck Mosley was or the Faith No More had another singer. Or that a lot of people don't know that uh, Courtney Love also sang for four. Yeah. She was in there for a little while. Mm -hmm. Wait, what? Yeah. I did not know that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a friend of uh, she was a friend of uh, Roddy's, right? I can't remember. He's the keyboard player, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Roddy, yeah, got it. I think that's how she got into the band in the first place. Yeah, like he, like Roddy was, I guess, with her, you know, during Kurt Cobain's death, and like was just like her confidant, I guess, through that whole thing. And mm -hmm. I didn't know they they were that close either. But uh, yeah, it was something I just found out a couple of years ago, and I've been a Faith No More fan for years is that mm -hmm. Courtney Courtney was also a singer. Yeah. yeah in Faith No More. Oh, okay. Well, um, I don't think I've ever heard any of the tracks, though. I just think I know that as a piece of trivia. No, I do any of them. We should have asked about that. Yeah. Or maybe they just don't want to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could kind of almost tell when we were talking to Billy that, like, he was surprised that he found himself talking about Chuck. Yeah. Really? <laughs> just like a. Like, oh, you guys, you guys are older than I thought kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> now that's getting cut. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It, it just kind of, you know, the way most shit goes on the podcast, it just kind of evolved there. And all of a sudden we're talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it started, you know, we were talking about Mark taking over that spot. Yeah. Probably wrapped in the same conversation, a similar conversation. Yeah. Something like that. But he was totally cool about it. Yeah. But it's it's interesting, too, just the perspective, I think, when he was talking to us that 
just being like in Missouri, and he's like, I'm surprised you guys even knew who we were. And it's like, dude, you're a multi platinum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. us the false modesty there, but yeah, my monsters right. But it, be, but it was, I don't think it was really false. No. I think he's just, you know, that's awesome. He's been doing it for so long and just kind of in it for so long that he just kind of loses touch with the fact that, that yeah, he, he might have thought he was, you know, I'm he certainly knows that he's not on the level of the Beatles or something like that, but he, you know, and that they're an alternative rock band, but still, mm-hmm. you know, he's just like, wow, I'm surprised anybody in the Midwest has even heard of us. See that to me though, it sounds and like, and I hope he's not listening. Cause he's going to be like, who's this asshole? How many times are people going to say, who's this asshole? But um, that seems like a mid, that seems like a dig on the Midwest. Like that seems like that could be read as, Oh, didn't realize that you people knew who we were. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? You people. I think it's just being disconnected to a certain degree when you're, you know, if you're in that level of music and you've got handlers and you got people who just, who also just kind of push you out on tour and prepare a package for you. Oh, I know. I know. This is where you're going and like, (laughs) this is who you were going to be. And then we'll see you in six months when you're back to reality and, you know, you come home and then, you know, you don't even know what you just did. You know, you just, you know, you just told the whole Nonagon story. Like, right there. <laughs> right. Well, it was nice having you on, man. Yeah. Good to see you. We'll, we'll talk to you next week. All right, cool. Later. <laughs> Wait, who are you people? <laughs> right. We'll see that fits the narrative. Uh, yep. <laughs> but no, I mean, we've all seen that. I've seen plenty of bands who come through, especially in Missouri. And I don't think it's really a dig on the Midwest as much as, you know, just being like, Hey, what's up St. Louis. It's like, we're in Springfield asshole. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh man, you you probably learned this one living here. It did not go over well if somebody was like playing a show on the Missouri side, oh. and they'd say, "Oh, we never played in Kansas." <laughs> People are just like, "Still not, asshole." Yeah, yeah. No, the that those border things, those border disputes are serious. Like, I think that the Twin yeah. City thing, the St. Paul Minneapolis thing. I mean, oh, that's yeah. been mm-hmm. a rift since you know the hoosters and the and the mats you know it's right, like, yeah. like it, and and it's really funny because you know we play with bands from both cities when we go up there mm-hmm. but never never across the border right you know so like we'll play with like self-evident in minneapolis but you know but they rarely play with bands from saint paul mm-hmm. it's really it's still a thing somehow yeah it's it's odd. It's like one of the questions that I was even hesitant to ask. It's like just even in Chicago proper, it's like, are you a Cubs fan or are you a Sox fan? <laughs> you know, uh, I was actually I was a Cubs fan for my entire life, and then mm-hmm. when the current regime, one of them, one of the principals owners, one of the principal owners announced that you know with pride that he was the biggest fundraiser for Trump. Yeah, I dropped the cop. The Cubs uh, like a hot rod. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't even hard oh. it wasn't even hard mm-hmm. like watching them and rooting for them even though i still like a couple of the players i mean javi baez i mean you got you know whatever you gotta love the dude oh yeah but i would watch those games and i would just feel icky yeah so i i instantly became a Sox and a brewers fan and it wasn't even hard yeah mm-hmm. well and the way i'm kind of looking at it too is just that we got our uh you know world series win 16 and probably be another hundred years yeah. So, um, <laughs> but I mean, I, I was at game five, which was the last one to be played at Wrigley because everybody thought they were out, they were done. Uh-huh. And so tickets that the day before standing room only tickets that the day before were like $1,200, $1,300 right. were only $600. Oh, wow. That's 
And I was like, you know, I'm not, I'm not a wealthy person, but I, you know, psyched myself into, into buying one for myself History. and just, you know, yeah. and I didn't drink a single beer the entire time because it was standing room only. And I found my spot because you were broke. And I, well, <laughs> that's right. Exactly. A lot of beer money. I just got but yeah, no, I just didn't want to have to go pee. Yeah. Oh yeah. That makes I sense. I found yeah. my spot and I stayed there. I got there when the gates open and I, st I stood in one spot for like five hours, you know? Yeah. And, you know, really glad I did. I think being a fan of any Chicago sports team, you know, when they win a championship or, or anything else like that, you always step back and you think, no, why am I a fan? And I mean, I, I'm sure it's that way everywhere else across the country, but so many things like family politics and, yeah. you know, where you live or where you grew up or, you know, a drunk uncle yelling at you when you're 11. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, that's why. Yeah. You have to dig up like past traumas and things. <laughs> yeah, it's all it's all it's all baked in to fandom. But yeah. Traumas traumas always part of it. I've only been to Wrigley once and it wasn't like a, a big game or anything, but it was when Sosa and McGuire were having the big home run battle. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And Sammy hit three home runs while I was there. So I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, that's pretty exciting. That I at least got to see yeah. that. If that was like my only experience at Wrigley, that's a pretty good one. That's a really good one. <laughs> Of course, he was juiced up. Wait, he was? No, sorry, he was. He totally was. <laughs> but I mean that, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I collect baseball stadiums. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, every time I go to a new stadium, I buy myself the fitted home cap and I score the game and the whole thing. So I've been to a ton and I, I hate to say it, you know, given my, you know, having revoked my fan card, but Wrigley is still just absolutely my favorite place to see a baseball game. No oh, question. Yeah. It's an interesting atmosphere for sure. Yeah. Beautiful park. And I've always thought one thing that's that's weird about it that I've been trying to piece together an analogy for for years is just the fact that a ball can get lost in the ivy. I know. So great. You can call it a home run or call it a foul or call it whatever. Just the fact that it can get lost in the bushes. And Chicago's like, oh, well, that one's gone. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you can make that rule <laughs> for one park. <laughs> you know, but there are like, uh, what do they call I'm sorry. There's a, there's a specific term for the rules that, mm -hmm. you know, I mean like the green monster, right? If it bounces off that part, if you can play it, if it, if it bounces off that part, you can't, you know, or whatever, they all have their, their home, their little weird home rules. I remember when minute Maid park in Houston, I think they removed it, but there was a flagpole in the middle of the outfield. For <laughs> yeah, a that's right. Yeah. Like there was that little embankment right by the back wall, right by the outfield wall. And then there was a flagpole that was actually in play. And I didn't, I could never figure out how the center fielder didn't like rack himself. Out <laughs> oh, like, yeah. Like the basic. yeah. It's one thing I always thought was funny about the, like the NFL, when they started those cameras on the, you know, on the wires that ran across the field. Yeah. It's like, one of these days, football's going to hit that thing. And what are they going to do? Totally. Uh, and I looked it up and basically the NFL's rule now is, if that ever does happen and it hits the wire or hits the camera, it's just do over. Yeah. Wow. It's like, man, that could be a very important play. Yeah. That's, you know, what they've sacrificed for TV and everything else to be able to do that. It's like wild. Yeah. Wow. What was it? I was here like in Dallas when they opened the big new stadium there and they have like the ginormous screens that are over the center of the field. Like kickers just have the best time trying to hit that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like taking golf swings at a at a cart. <laughs> exactly. With somebody at a driving range. <laughs> That's funny. Man, this is the best sports talk radio show I've ever been on. I know, right? It is. Don't worry, I'm going to run out real fast. 
Oh yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not wired that way either. I think we've we've about exhausted my knowledge of all things sports ball. <laughs> we're getting close on me. Coffin Stadium here is kind of interesting because it's got the fountains behind the field. Yeah, and you know what's crazy? Even when I was living out there, I never made it to a game there. Oh really? Mm. Yeah. It's a, well, you know, I was running my own business, and so it was like 16 hour days and no time for baseball. Yeah. For like you know three straight or. I guess it was closer to two two straight years. It's a nice little park. Yeah. Yeah, I like it there. But, uh, yeah, so you guys, as far as Chicago goes, and did you grow up there? Did or Do you, like, live in the city? Or I know you guys, like, practice around Logan Square. Is that right? Yeah, and that's where, that's where my house is. That's where Christy and I, we, we bought a house there back in 2000. Okay. Which we would never be able to afford now. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, the place has been gentrified to within a, a, an ounce of its life. Yeah, but Tony actually lives in Uptown. Tony Imani, the drummer. Mm-hmm. Robert lives in, I think it's called Mayfair, Avondale, whatever. You know, one of those uh, neighborhoods that's close by. But yeah, we're all we're all longtime Chicago folks. You know, went to school in state. I met Robert for the first time down at uh, University of Illinois in Champaign. Oh, okay. He was an art major, actually, and he's he's the one who designed everything for the for the current record. And we actually, he was, we were both kind of bouncing around in bands at the time back then. And Tony went to school in Carbondale mm. where he, John, you, you, you grew up in Illinois as well, right? Uh-huh. Yep. So did, did you know the Blue Meanies? Do you remember? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I never saw, yeah, I never got to see them or anything, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, they were, they were a really big band at the time and Tony was actually a founding member and long time member of the, of that band oh. so he's like he toured europe with them and the whole thing yeah right on they were well i mean they weren't before my time but they were before the time that i was able to like go out and see shows without right. you know my parents busting my ass right but yeah yeah definitely blue meanies and uh matt your uncle owned a building in logan square yeah he lived in logan square on diversity yeah diversity at what what building did he own there? He owned a lot of property in Chicago. Actually, we'll go back to the Cubs for a second. Mm-hmm. He um he he was older, died several years back, but he owned one of the buildings that was around uh, Wrigley that you could kind of watch the games. Oh, like one of the one of the ones that now has like the corporate boxes on the rooftop, like that kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. He owned one of those buildings for a while, and uh, yeah, I wish he'd have held that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He he owned apartment buildings basically. Got it. But he he personally lived, you know where the like the it was a like a 76 station on diversity. It might be something else now, but it was like a little just a little gas station there, really small gas station. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I might might not still be there. I don't know. It might not. I I I haven't been there in probably 15 years. It's changed so much. Yeah. Whole city's changed so much. Yeah, it really has. It wasn't too far of a walk to the subway from there. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. He built his own uh, recording studio there too. Wait, what? Yeah, it was really fascinating. Yeah. He was a he was a fascinating guy. He was. What was his last name? His last name was Talbert. Hmm. Talbert. John Talbert. Really. Uh, very quiet guy you would not have known that he owned like tons of property around chicago wow he would he would hang up his clothes in his front room he had like a a line strung through his house Mm -hmm. because he there was a waste of money to use a dryer (laughs) (laughs) but he was like a depression baby right very frugal so oh wow 
Wow. So what kind of music would happen in his in his in the studio that he built there? He liked to write music and it was just kind of poppy, I guess, for that time. And and Mm -hmm. he had a few stories of interesting people that would come through. I'm trying to remember any particular names, but, you know, a few Chicago artists that kind of did all right locally that he was close to. And uh, he was just kind of a lifelong. That was the only thing he spent money on was like that's amazing his studio his music and he you know he built it all by hand and he like he had his real reels in there were like set to like this very weird speed so basically nobody could steal his shit if somebody like took one of his tapes they wouldn't be able to get the right speed for it Uh, yeah yeah booby traps This sounds like a character. This mm. dude sounds like he sounds amazing. He was. He was really fun. I met him a couple of times. You know, very straight laced conservative guy though, and really, you know, buttoned down uh, and, and if anybody's wondering, no, Matt is not like sitting on a giant no, trust no, fund. No. Uh <laughs> Matt's Matt's inheritance as a result of this real estate mogul is what was it, two telefunken microphones? No. Well, the family got those. The family got them. Yeah, that that was a pretty interesting story too. So yeah, I, it kind of fell on me because I was the closest one that knew anything about anything with studios or recording equipment. Mm-hmm. Still, vastly underqualified for that task. Mm-hmm. But somebody had to like disassemble the studios. <laughs> so it, it kind of fell on me, and it was just like this heartbreaking experience Ugh. to mm-hmm. do. But it was also like it, it was weird because. Like it helped me know like what questions I wish I could have asked him, mm-hmm. you know, it was just going through that entire process. But right. he had some really cool shit in there. Wow. But the best that he had was a uh, two just pristine Elam uh, Telefunken Elam two fifty ones, which are just like mm-hmm. super valuable. Oh yeah, stupid rare. Wow. And uh, we actually he kept them in such good shape. And what was really interesting was that he kept all the paperwork for like everything he kept the paperwork for. So he had like the original readouts for it. Hmm. So at the time, Telefunk in USA, they kind of it was like this. They were trying to remanufacture. Right? They had kind of bought the name Telefunken for the U.S. and they were trying to really get Telefunkens down and. This was like the only one they had ever found that had the original readouts of its performance when it was first made. Wow. So from like a reverse engineering point of view, it's invaluable Mm -hmm. to have something like that. Yeah. So a lot of the ones that they're making now are modeled in part after my uncle's microphone. Yep. That's amazing. Did you tell this story to Steve Albini when you had him on? Uh, I don't remember if we did. That's my next. That's the next one on my list to listen to. But um, <laughs> but he would he would go crazy for that story. I assume, like you know. Well, yeah. one thing that happened with that will kind of tie it to Steve was we're friends with uh, Rob Botchnik, who's also in Chicago, and he plays uh, for like Glenn Hansard and the Frames. Oh, okay. Yeah. Awesome guy, but he also kind of got his start working for Steve. Mm-hmm. Helped build the studio that he has now. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I've got so many friends who have that story. Like yeah. so many friends. I mean, like literal punk punk rock blood, sweat, and tears went into the building of that place. Yeah. It's yeah. Well, that's where you recorded yeah. your LP too, right? Yeah. The electrical audio. Yeah. Yeah, it is. We we worked with John Sampala there, who has been you know there since I think he was one of the first crew of interns there when he was a younger gentleman, but now he's like you know full on one of the house engineers. Mm-hmm. And just working with him was just amazing. 
just amazing. So Rob bought a bunch of my uncle's microphones. Oh, yeah, that's where the that's where the connection was made, right? You know. Yeah, and that was like meaningful to me because I knew I wasn't going to be able to really use those things in a proper way. Yeah. But what they're going to get used really, and he has been using them. And on top of that, you know, they got to stay in Chicago, basically. Mm. That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, it is. You got any uh, Steve stories? <laughs> Actually, you want to share? We just talked to Jason Thompson a couple of days ago. He had some. Uh, um, you know, not really. I mean, Steve. Like the first time I made, uh, the first time I met Steve, you know, I, you know, I was a huge big black fan. Yeah. In high school and uh, in college, and then his unfortunately named band, yeah, Rape Ra- 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 Man, Man, which yes. I thought was an even better band, was just insane. Like that, that two two nuns in a pack meal was just a perfect, perfect fucking record. Great band, e- extraordinarily bad name, but a great yeah. band. <laughs> We had an entire discussion about that once that we'll never see the air and we're not going to talk about <laughs> yeah, who it yeah. was where they got dark. Nope. <laughs> yeah, no, there's no anyway. there's nowhere for that discussion to go. I mean, no there's just, no, it's just, you know. It's not a good one. Yeah. And, you know, over the years, I've become pretty good friends with Bob Weston and all this stuff. But Steve, for me, was always like a super tough nut to crack. <clears throat> and the very first time I met him when I was in college, like I met him at a pool hall. He won't remember this at all. No. <laughs> but you know, I made him laugh. Mm-hmm. Right. And so mm. I think I, I think I've been spending my entire life chasing that, that moment. <laughs> <laughs> the bears, the it, dragon. Has, it has not happened since. Yeah. In fact, I spent, and it's funny, we we're talking about baseball because, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a baseball fan as well. And so I went to a game uh, at Wrigley with a couple friends. Um, it was me and Jim Camp from the Chicago band Hungry Man. If you don't know them, they're absolutely incredible. A couple other friends. And then it was also Steve and Bob Weston were there. And I sat next to Steve the entire game. And I think mm. only like four words were exchanged. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. So I was probably giving off like a, a super like weirdo, like nerdy, <laughs> like needy vibe or something. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I was wondering about that too. Just like when, when we had him on, it's just like, I wonder how, because I felt the same way. I was just nervous as shit. Yeah. yeah. And like, it's like, my God, this is like one of my heroes as far as audio engineering is concerned and mixing bands and everything. It's like, can't believe he's, but you know, he's, we were talking about this just a few days ago with Jason Thompson. It's like, he's, he's a notorious podcast horror is what he told us. <laughs> you know, he's like, I'll do any podcast. I don't care. I think they're great. I don't know you guys. I don't know you from anything, but I'll do your show. That's awesome. And, yeah. Uh, well, it helped us that we like threw Rob's name out and he's like, any friend of Rob's. Any friend friend of Rob's friend. Friend. Yeah. But I kept wondering that like the whole time, like how much of this guy's life is just like people around him being extremely nervous. <laughs> yeah, you know? well, I mean, you know, he's, I mean, don't get me wrong. He is like one of the most stand up, as you know, like one, just one of the most stand up, sure. righteous, like right thinking dudes on earth. Down to earth. Yeah. I hate that he has like that reputation for being like just a prickly, like shit stirrer, you know, because that's just right. not him. He's just, he's opinionated. You know, he's super opinionated, but, you know, almost everything that comes out of his mouth is like, that is dead. You're absolutely right about that. You know, right. So, so that's why it pains me to say that I couldn't get him to talk to me during an entire baseball game. You know. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think one of the biggest things is like having a spark of life 
and talking to him in that interview was just bringing up the art of Ed Paschke. And he was like, Ooh, and it, it perked his ears a little, you know? And, and he was like, Oh yeah, I love Ed. And I studied under Ed and I'm a big Ed Paschke fan of his art anyway. Mm-hmm. We talked about that for a while. And uh, I was like, Ooh, I brought up something that actually made him right. move in his seat for a second. Right. <laughs> you know, and smile. And I was like, Oh wow. Yeah. And if you're anything like me, you're going to be chasing that for the next 25 years. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I always will be. Yeah. Well, we kind of even told ourselves before we did that, we're like, well, I love the Pixies. I love Nirvana. It's been there. We, everybody's been there with them. Mm-hmm. Right. right. What's yeah. the point? Why would I want to go there again? Right. Yeah. So, well, I'm, now I'm dying to listen to that interview because, um, you know. It sounds terrible. Oh, <laughs> no. Oh, no. Well, that kind of adds to it now in <laughs> retrospect. He, he's never going to know, and usually we cut this out, but I'm just going to bring up the story. He had a fan in the back of his microphone, or in the back of his computer, that was, like, clicking the whole time, and he even told us before we started, he's like, yeah, I can't get this fan to stop. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with it, but fuck it, let's go ahead. Uh-huh. We are like, okay. <laughs> thinking, it sounds like garbage. That's and the thing, and it's like this guy is like one of the most premier like <laughs> audiophiles in the world, and doesn't give a shit that this fan is just destroying the oh, sound. I love that so much. And like the, the format that we use was like it wasn't what we normally use at all. No, I think we did it on uh, what do we do it on? Uh, it was like Skype. Skype, yeah, we used right? Skype. Never Skype used is it. not good for sound quality. Yeah, if you're, really, if you're looking yeah. to get to, that's not the place to go. So yeah. we did it on Skype, and I. remember remember like before it i was like oh my god because i'm the one that edits these and i was like holy shit oh it's gonna be hard i'm gonna be editing mm-hmm. for something for like this world-renowned sound engineer <laughs> so really yeah. kind of ultimately it kind of took the pressure off <laughs> yeah right because after a while you're like fuck it it's it's like the I, Zabru- it's like the zapruder film yeah. of, our, of all of our podcasts <laughs> extremely shit quality but it's such an important subject that we had to put it up yeah totally you know <laughs> like the kennedy assassination part of me wonders if steve was even like did it on purpose just to take the take you guys off the hook you know like yeah, it's possible who knows how mine like that thinks yeah but uh so what are some of the joints you played around Chicago back when like like music was a thing that you could do? What were some of your favorite venues and stuff? Well, you know, our favorite venue was actually a place called Quenchers, which was at Fullerton and Western. And it was just it was our home base. Like the the folks that booked mm-hmm. the place knew and loved us and we could get, you know, with a couple months notice, we could get a weekend like slot there that we could build you know like hey we've got so-and-so coming through from minneapolis or we want to bring somebody down from milwaukee can you give us a night you know we got to the point where they would say yeah you know thursday friday or saturday and we'd be like really you know and and take it and it was just such a comfortable place to play and it was kind of our not just kansas city or whatever you know right but they they you know the the neighborhood continued to gentrify and they they ended up closing Mm. years ago you know we used to play the bottle every once in a while but there's a whole story there that it's not my story to tell but there's a shellac song called boycott that's all about the empty bottle and uh and that's it's worth Mm -hmm. uh you know it's it's a it's an interesting thing here but not even a lot of people in the Chicago scene know the whole story. So, hmm. but so we, we don't play there anymore, but you know, the bottom lounge, there's a, hmm. there, there are always places kind of 
opening and closing in Logan Square, you know, Cafe Mustache, Township, like all these, you know, um, Coles, like all these kind of small places that yeah. we could generally get a show, you know, and we were never kind of the band that was like tapped to open up for, hey, Arches of Loaf is coming through town. Although actually we were tapped for that once and we couldn't do it much to our shame. But, <laughs> but hey, somebody's coming through town. You're the band we'd like to have open. That almost never happens to us. We generally are the band mm. because of the music community that we're all part of. That's actually, you know, based on the electrical audio um, forum. Right. We're the band who, because we could get a show at Quenchers or because we could get a show at, at Township where the out of town PRF bands would say, Hey, we want to come to Chicago. Can you help us set up a show? Oh. And like 90% of our shows were those shows. Nice. And, you know, we wouldn't trade it for the world, you know, but it does mean that, you know, we're playing for the same 10 to 100 people all the time. You know? Right. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Sounds like our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I think some of our biggest fans are everybody who's been on. Yeah, well, you know? yeah, I, that's, I'm, I'm sold. I mean, this is, I mean, this is a really smart way to build your fan base. I think uh, yeah. to build it, yes. To market it, no. Yeah, <laughs> it's a really slow way to do it. I, can yeah. that. I, I think that's the way it goes with anything. It's like it's a musician's musician. It's an artist's artist. Yeah. It's like yeah, but need to sell more shit so <laughs> we need everybody yeah, yeah but it's not it's not why you do it you know so that's no, right you know, that's right that's, that's right you know clear, i mean if this if this had been a business we would not have lasted as long as we have you know right mm, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. That's what we keep telling ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel more sane doing it than before we started doing it. So that's, yeah. and that's, that's priceless. Oh yeah. <laughs> Especially with what's been going on in the past oh, year. Oh man, I, I really don't know how I'd deal with a pandemic if I didn't have this outlet. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm jealous of that actually. You know, I mean, I have my stuff kind of set up and I can play anytime I want, but that doesn't mean that I'm able to, or I'm in the right mindset. Like, I've, you know, I, I'm sure you've heard this over and over again from musicians who have like been weathering this thing where it's for the longest time um, until pretty recently, almost all of the people that I know were like, I just can't motivate myself to get anything done. Just can't motivate yeah. to get anything done. It's, it's gone both ways. Yeah. People, some people really, it's kind of motivated them to do more. Yeah. They entered like a prolific period. Yeah, and I and we know I know some of those guys, and I hate them. I'm kidding entirely. Yeah. I mean, if we took it. Hey, we can't practice. We can't be playing shows. We've got this record in the can. We've got this downtime. Like, let's focus our energy into getting this record out. Uh, and I don't think we would have done as good a job of it with any of it like the you know the the packaging the the promotion the you know just kind of the networking <clears throat> i don't think we would have done any of it if if without the without being stuck at home to do it so yeah right you might still be with eps yeah right exactly yeah. <laughs> exactly well, well it's another year <laughs> you know just one more year because shit so, but it gave us something to do that made us feel like we were still in a band you know yeah no that makes sense yeah yeah so you talked about it, and uh, I kind of lost my place on this, but with the the artwork on the 
LP, which is great, by the way. Yeah, Robert's a genius. It's just such a yeah. funny album. So did he draw all that? Yeah. And did he he did? He did like all the figures of the Yeah, yeah. The animals with the wings attached. He's just, <laughs> it's hilarious. He's an amazing <laughs> illustrator. He's just I mean, and, and you kind of forget he's he's kind of the quieter guy in the band. Mm-hmm. He's the kind of person who doesn't say much, but when he does say something, you want to listen because it's usually devastatingly understated yeah. funny yeah, yeah, yeah. you know it's just like the funniest like most cutting thing you've heard but he doesn't say that much and so it's kind of easy to forget sometimes that oh oh right robert's a genius like kind of forgot right. you know what's going on upstairs that he's not just talking about all the time yeah right yeah exactly and his art is part of that i mean he he does these giant wood cuts you know that are like the size of like mm. a uh you know a, a living room window i mean he's just a really you know, he just spends a lot of time working on this stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, kind of a chicken and the egg question. Was it the title of the album before it was the artwork or was it? Oh, yeah. It was actually. Yeah. Our records have a history of being named after goofy stuff that Tony has said, like in the van. Mm-hmm. And so like we, we had an EP out that was called people live everywhere and it was just because we were after a show we were like looking for a place to stay or whatever and we were going through a neighborhood outside i don't know in pittsburgh or something Mm -hmm. and he just went man people live everywhere and just like it just just destroyed us for some reason you know that like late night like hilarity thing you know right Right. getting slap happy and yeah, they birds was a very similar moment. Uh-huh. We were traveling in um, the Upper Peninsula to go to to go to actually a PRF event up there. My favorite one, Thundersnow, mm-hmm. and it's February when this thing happens in Upper Peninsula. Mm-hmm. Like all the rivers are frozen, right? Except in this one spot where there's a dam that keeps the water churning, so the water isn't frozen there. And it reminded me actually of the dam in Lawrence, Kansas, mm. where you used to be able to go in the middle of winter and watch all the bald eagles from the area would hang out. Mm. In dam in lawrence kansas and i was telling i was totally like probably over explaining this in the van to the guys and and you know one of them asked well why do they all hang out there and i said well you know they fish <laughs> tony just looked at me and said no they birds they birds. <laughs> and, then, but, um, oh. and that of course just sent us on like a uh, yeah, like a laughing jag that lasted for the rest of the tour probably you know right awesome yeah. I'm pretty sure I know the dam you're talking about too. In Lawrence, the uh, one right downtown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the yeah. by, the old mall there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it seemed like some sort of in joke. Like even if you don't know the in joke, look at the cover. It's it's funny. Yeah, I think there was a there was an effort to like kind of make it somehow translate to so people wouldn't just think oh they're they're entertaining themselves at the expense of the rest of us. You know. Hi. <laughs> yeah i kind of got it but yeah the artwork is just incredible it's all the and I, I don't even want to describe it just go check it out <laughs> fish and lemurs and fish and lemurs yeah shit like that that's great oh uh, yeah i really want to fight that record and put it on my wall it's just so funny oh that's nice thank you gives me a giggle every time i see it i think it offsets like some of the darkness of the record itself <laughs> <laughs> which helps yeah it's still a fun record man I mean, it, it really is. It's like, it's, I, I'd love to see it translated live. Yeah, we actually just recorded like a virtual record release show that nobody's going to accuse us of being tour tight when they see this thing. Right. But Tony Tony actually works in a warehouse. So 
we've started kind of practicing dipping our toes into practicing in this big wide open indoor space with our masks on like 20 feet away and the whole thing. And so we decided to try and make that translate to a, Mm -hmm. to a record release show that I think we're going to try and stream live (laughs) in uh, like mid April. Right on. Yeah. It was fun. It was really fun to put together. Again, it's not going to be the tightest we've ever sounded or anything, but I think we've done enough, kind of fun stuff in the presentation of the show that it should be a, a you know an entertaining thing to watch at least yeah um but thanks for what you said i mean yeah the the record has some bombast and some energy to it that we're really proud of so i'm really glad that you i mean you know even though the songs are sometimes about well you, at least two of them are about aging gracelessly so <laughs> right uh, yeah i think i think one review on uh band camp i think from a fan said something like mortgage rock <laughs> oh yeah which <laughs> first time i heard that term our, my friend jay ryan who's in um he used to be in a band called dianoga but he's also like a well-respected rock, you know gig gig poster artist mm-hmm. he used to refer to his band dianoga as as mortgage rock and that was the first time i'd heard that and i think awesome. i think it's become like a chicago like a chicago thing that'd be a good label name too yeah, yeah. mortgage rock yeah that would be fantastic <laughs> yeah mortgage rock record yeah <laughs> Uh, like a web, uh, sorry, I was saying, I was going to go off on a yacht rock, like tangent there. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. I don't think I got it. I don't think it's there. It was enough. just, it was so close. <laughs> I just couldn't grab it. It's not there. You can message me about midnight and be like, I remember. Uh, Fire up the bikes. We're going to do this. Let's <laughs> <laughs> right. cut that in there. Do <laughs> you guys have any plans for like what the, as far as your next beyond that show, as far as uh, your other recordings go or, or other mixings? Well, you know, it's been really exciting to to start playing again, you know, in that warehouse because we actually have started writing because I'm, you know, the, the wood shedding I've been doing has resulted Good. in a bunch of parts that need to somehow be strung together. And that's my that's my mm-hmm. favorite part of any of this, right. frankly, is writing songs with these two people who take all of my terrible ideas and fix them. <laughs> and so that has been really great. So we have been writing. I think we probably have we're well on our way to having our next like three or four songs Excellent. to the point where we might, a big part of our writing process is to fail in public. So mm. we, we have these to the point where we'll try and play them in front of people, even though we don't have lyrics yet, or, you know, I'll be like studioing, you know, over the entire thing. And, <laughs> right. Because I think it's really that, that tells us not necessarily even crowd reaction, but just our comfort level with the songs, you know, like what, Mm. It, it, it really does make a difference to us to have to, to play them live. You know, it's that adage of like one live show is worth like 10 practices. And I think it's completely true, um, which is why we tend to practice during our live shows. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As far as like setting, I mean, we're, I think we're still a ways from setting up, like thinking about uh, club shows or whatever right. you know i mean i i just i got my first moderna last week and you know my second shot's coming up congratulations yeah thank you yeah it was it did make it seem like the light at the end of the tunnel you know might not be a train coming at you you know yeah it does and it did make it seem like the world may be possible again at some point but yep. you know i don't want to be the band that set up a show that got a dozen people in the hospital you know what i'm saying right i don't think anybody wants to be that cat no well, yeah, I, I talked to ted Bugin. i bet i bet he diff begs to differ <laughs> right yeah. oh, they're feral they'll survive <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it's it's weird. It's weird kind of how that was. And I don't even think I felt ready. Like, I just got my uh, my second Moderna. I just got my final shot mm-hmm. on Thursday. I think it was Thursday night. Yeah, yeah, it was Thursday. Yeah, so it's been a couple of days. It's, it's even just a couple of weeks. But, like, my youngest daughter, she's just, she's over the pandemic. Mm-hmm. She's just like, you know, all right, let's get out. It's like, no, it doesn't work like that, honey. I, yeah. You know, you have to yeah. wait. But I am starting to have to face these things that it's like, okay. You know, here in a couple of weeks, I will be. And really, after the, like that first shot, you, you're covered by about 70%. Yeah. Within a couple of weeks after taking that. But it's like, oh my God, it's like almost, it's almost been something to blame. Are you feeling, are you starting to feel like a little anxiety about re entering social situations? Yeah. I am. Yeah. yeah. I guess that's what it's leading to is just that kind of apprehension. It's like, ooh, yeah. what do I do? How do I do, you know, public anymore? And how do I? Yeah. You know, and you still got other people we have to wait on to get vaccinated. But I think one of the biggest things, and usually because I'm kind of a cynic and a a bitch anyway, is that I've been looking at it like, I hate seeing people online, you know, explaining themselves or apologizing for being vaccinated. Right. And they're like, oh, you know, well, I got both vaccines, but I'm a healthcare worker, but I'm sick. (laughs) Right. You're afraid of looking greedy or. Yeah. Right. The point, we want everybody to get it. I want everybody to get it. Exactly. And really the thing is, it's like you want to tell people too that you're doing it for them. So instead of saying, oh, I got my second shot, I'm a healthcare worker, you should say, I got my second shot, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because right. we're doing it for everyone, you know? Yeah. I have a, a friend who, you know, she's getting radiation for cancer and she's going into the clinic a lot and she even felt guilty yeah. about getting her vaccination because she's like, well, I'm younger than a lot of other people. I'm like, right. you're going into this clinic with all of these people, all, all the other patients there have, you know, they're, you know, compromised immunity and all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. You should be, you know, taking all of the needles and shoving them in all of your limbs. <laughs> you, know? right. you shouldn't feel bad about any of this. Right. And people should be thanking you for taking yeah. it because I mean, really all in all the CDC, everybody else has told us that the best way we're going to get past this is everybody can vaccinate everybody can get over that. Yeah. You know, and that's just kind of the way I look at it. I tell people, thank you. Yeah. You know, thank you for getting it. One more person. I like that. Because I, I was in a situation here in Missouri where they like, you know, they ran out of uh, vaccines for my tier and, and my tier was open. And uh, it was like three weeks past when I probably could have gotten a shot. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually they came around. But that's what I started to do the moment I got it. I was just like apologizing. Yeah. I'm like, dude, that's it. You know, I can't believe that people have put us into that situation. Yeah. To make us feel like we should feel sorry for what we've done. Yeah. And really, we're, everybody who gets a shot, either first shot, second shot, even willing to do the shot, is helping everybody else in this country. Yeah. And the thing is, is that like everything else, you know, it's so politicized. And I know you know this. Yeah. That a friend, my friend Ike, who um, is in the amazing Kalamazoo band called Minutes um, and Out, Two just insanely great bands. But he said that a friend of his had gone to his doctor or her doctor. And the doctor said, you you know, get your vaccine as soon as you can. And she said, well, I've been trying to. I just can't get an appointment. And and her doctor flat out said, get a political map, find the reddest county nearby, drive there. You'll have no you'll have no trouble. Wow. Yeah, that's telling. Yeah, it was exactly true. And like in Chicago, 
so many of my friends have driven downstate to Quincy. Yeah. Because apparently you can get the Johnson and Johnson one and done mm-hmm. just walking into any drugstore without an appointment because nobody else is getting them down there. Mm. Wow. That's crazy. Missouri. I think there was a distribution issue. Like I, it's almost the opposite here. It was at first. Like Kansas city was getting them way before the rest of the state. Hmm. Maybe St. Louis was too, but like Columbia was left out. John was like, when the fuck's it going to come here? And I'm like, I don't know. I just had mine. Yeah. Hmm. My wife had hers a couple of weeks before that. Hmm. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, distribution has, yeah, been a big problem too. Just not with not politicizing, but looking across the entire world. Like, like I say, we talked to uh, Jason Thompson a few days ago and uh, from Little Teeth and he was, uh, lived there in Chicago for a while, moved to Munich. He's like, it's just a really super low number of people being vaccinated. It's not because of politicization. It's because they're just not, they're trying to get everybody in the EU basically vaccinated first hmm. and it's a big number of people there so you know he brought up an interesting thing though that i thought kind of tying into what we we're talking about just what it's going to be like to be able to hug someone that's not like your spouse yeah mm-hmm. yeah just walk up to people and shake their hand or whatever i hadn't really even considered that and ah, i got goosebumps thinking about being able to give someone a hug mm-hmm. Yeah, I've always, I've been a big hugger. And so like, you know, yeah, that physical closeness to me is like, you know, I, I didn't realize how big a part it was of many of my friendships, you know, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's a, it's a bummer. And, and yeah, and I don't know how quickly I'll be able to re, you know, as much as I want to, yeah. I have a lot of anxiety about this still. And it's not anxiety yeah. for myself. It's anxiety that I'm going to somehow be spreading this thing. Right. Or making other people anxious and making them nervous. Yeah. And- right. Exactly. Yeah. There's that whole like social contract thing too, you know? Yeah. It's weird. And I wonder how many things are going to change just indefinitely looking at things like schools where they're, they, you know, they cut off all the uh, uh, water fountains in the school and just having kids refill water bottles. And it's like, you know, water fountains have always been kind of gross are we gonna <laughs> still do that you know yeah so much stuff yeah should we at all i mean just with like the flu or just anything else should we right. still all be drinking out of a, com- a communal tube it's a fair question you know we know children are putting their mouth on because i did when i was five <laughs> you know yeah i also do think at the same time kids that age get their germs all over everything yeah so how much how much should be allowed right so like the water fountain is part of it it's just another thing that they're gonna get their mouth juice all over and then another one's gonna lick it sure yeah well i mean and all those germs were were keeping us you know in in some ways safe for so long i mean i know that there are some like immunologists Mm -hmm. probably said that wrong who are kind of aghast at the amount of hand sanitizer we're all using yeah because you know all of our gut bacteria and all that stuff depends on, you know, a pretty unsanitary environment that we have all kind of grown used to, you know? Yeah. My mother as a nurse said for years about superbugs, you know, way before this ever happened with MRSA and, uh, and everything else, just like, you know, we're, we're over sanitizing things. People need to, you know, that's how kids build immunity yeah. is just, you know, they're on the playground, they pick their nose, they, you know, put their hands down their pants. They climb the, the same monkey bars. God, that was a disgusting description i'm never going on monkey bars again (laughs) 
Good thing I'm north of 50, so it wasn't going to happen anyway, but you know what I'm saying. Can you even find <laughs> monkey bars anymore? I don't even know. I, I don't know, actually. They probably have been deemed as uh, deemed too dangerous, and to be fair, right. they probably always were. But I loved that shit when I was a kid. Of course, yeah. Sure. I remember, like, the wild geometric domes that would be set up just to bars. Yep. <laughs> yep. And good luck. It was just yeah. <laughs> yeah. Keeping oh. dentists in business for, you know, <laughs> yeah, all across yeah. the Midwest. Right. Right. Kung. <laughs> oh, you can hear that sound. You can feel that sound. Wow. I know. That was good. That was, uh, that was onomatopoetic. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good word. Oh, yeah. I don't really see seesaws anymore either. Remember how that like, mm. feel just coming up and slapping you in the ass if somebody did it too hard? And, like, yeah. Just yeah. going all the way up your spine. Yeah. Wow. Probably not good. I remember being a fat kid and holding people hostage on that thing. <laughs> like, like skinny kids who wanted to get on with me and like sitting in the end and ha ha. And you're stuck in the air. Help, let me down. No. Down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to need that Twinkie you got in your lunch. <laughs> it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. Talk about a sound. Here's one mm-hmm. the rubber like dodgeballs that. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like when you got stocked in the eye. Yeah. It ricochets off of somebody's face. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. I see a lot of those memes. I can feel this sound, right? Or I can hear the sound without, you know, just an image. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. I wonder what this last year is going to sound like. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I imagine that kind of squishy, icky sound that like a hand sanitizer bottle makes that's in those little. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, that that kind of sound. Yeah, that would be a really cool kind of <laughs> sample, maybe thing to do. Like, yeah, just like the sound <laughs> of the year. Yeah, I think it's going to be my wife's quiet seething. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we've actually weathered this thing really well, but, but the that's cabin, not as fun. <laughs> the cabin fever has been a thing on occasion. Yeah, you know? right. That's it'll just be just a little. <sighs> <sighs> Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I got a lot of those tonight. <laughs> Did you know that Sonny Chiba was a martial? <sighs> yeah. <sighs> really? Yeah. My daughter's going back and forth with that right now. She wants to know all my useless information about like kung fu movies and oh. horror and everything while my wife sits in the background and sighs about everything. Uh, it'll be over soon. It'll be over soon. I, I think we're I think we're coming around. We're closer. Yeah. We're getting closer. Yeah. Every day we're closer as long as everybody stays the course and nobody, you know, fucks it up too bad. You know, I'll be back on stage spitting on people soon. Yes. You know? so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've got at least 60% of the population thinks it's a good idea. So that's a start. Yeah. And, and at a certain point, and again, this may seem callous, but at a certain point, it's like you... If we get to the point where those folks still have decided that they're not going to do it and the rest of us are at, you know, 70, 80, 90 percent immunity, or at the very least, we're pretty much guaranteed of not having to go to the hospital for this thing. Right. Then that's kind of at a certain point, it's kind of on them. You know, like we can't we can't continue. We're going to get tired of protecting those some of those folks. Right for you know the indefinite future you know so yeah, you're not wrong I, i've been saying the same thing and it's so hard to balance around because you don't want to say well fuck them you know yeah right but 
to a certain degree, it's kind of like, you know, we did everything we could. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it is going to get to a point, I think, where, you know, they're just going to be affected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, we're not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I already do. I already do have friends and I won't name names who have no kids you know, who have no body around them. They have to worry about infecting or older people. And they're just like, shit, I'm, you know, I'm two weeks out of my second dose. Well, too bad for them. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, you know, it's, you know, I get it though. I mean, we've got a certain degree of empathy. We have to still instill. And if we want to help people, but man, if you're making it so hard. Yeah. You know, after, after a certain point, it's like, it's too bad. Oh, yeah. And just like the bullshit excuses. Like I saw, and I know that they are thinking that this is, you know, God's way, whatever. But I thought like, you know, God's intention, you know, you shouldn't have to worry about it. Like when it's your time, it's your time. And God will bring you home when, <laughs> you know, Jesus says it's cool. And <laughs> so why would I do this? And I'm like, I know, I know that you protected your kid when they were little sure. you didn't just let them run into the right. middle of the highway <laughs> right right and yeah. if it's god says it's time it's time yeah god will protect the kid if it's not his time yeah oh you get your kid out of the highway god yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well i mean all we can do is what we can do right yeah we can analyze that and who knows how it's going to go there could be a covid 21 yeah you know it could be in some new variant that you know, just so off the chain that they won't even protect us. We don't even know. Yeah. But hopefully the boosters will be available as those arise, you know? Right. They're already working on those, you know, like the South African variant, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And I hope they're working on for kids too. And that's, you know, it's a big thing for me and me and Matt having kids. I'm just making sure that they can get protected. And yeah, but you know, if we, if we can get that her immunity up to a level where everybody else is vaccinated and protects our kids, that's, that's good for me too. Mm -hmm. Yep. Whatever. But all we can do is what we can do. I want to get there. You know, I feel bad about condemning anybody, but nah, I, you know what? I, I don't, I'm feeling less and less bad about calling them out Yeah, because it's stupid. I literally had one tell me Biden's not paying me enough yet to do this. <laughs> I, basically he's like ho holding out for cash to get his <laughs> shot. Wow. They're wow. already giving you donuts, dude. I mean, you can go to Krispy Kreme. They'll give you a donut, get a sticker. Really? I, <laughs> I, I didn't hear about yeah. that. Yep. Yeah, yeah. All right. that's good news. Yeah, get your vaccine. I think if you get both vaccines, you get a free donut a day for like a, a while if you go to Krispy Kreme. I wish I lived a little closer to one then. Yeah, well, we don't have one here either, but <laughs> I'd have to drive down to Springfield, Missouri. Oh, my God. This was like a awesome slash horrible promotion mm -hmm. that they had at Krispy Kreme once. This was like, we'll, talk, we'll go back to baseball. Mm -hmm. So they had like a deal when the Royals were playing one summer that like, I can't remember how often it happened, but like if the Royals were getting so many hits in a game, right. You could take your ticket from the game in for a free dozen Krispy Kreme. Oh shit. Whoa. Yeah. And it, that summer I, I went to like two or three games and I swear every fucking time they got enough hits. <laughs> yeah. So, American League, man. <laughs> man and i figured out by like the last time that ha that happened i could also like skim the ground for people's dropped tickets <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my god! Did you gain like thirty pounds? <laughs> Holy shit! Uh, it, it was probably a couple of years at least before I ate Krispy Kremes again after that. <laughs> but I had like five boxes of Krispy Kremes. <laughs> What's for dinner, Dad? Donuts again? Oh, <laughs> uh, this was way before that. My wife would yeah. not have allowed that to happen. <laughs> I'm sure the executives of Krispy Kreme are like, "How many donuts can you really eat?" Oh my god. It was just a mass. It was just a giant social experiment to see how many donuts Americans would eat no. if given unlimited donuts. Right. Here's the board meeting. Oh, it turns out a fucking lot. <laughs> exactly. Americans love donuts. Grossly <laughs> underestimated. <laughs> Looking back, it's it's a miracle I survived that time. Holy shit! Right. If we, and if we survived that, we can survive this, right? I mean, right. come on. <laughs> might survive it as a diabetic but <laughs> oh we lived <laughs> remember the Krispy Kreme siege <laughs> <sighs> well another thing I want to get in man getting your stuff what's the best way to do it? is Bandcamp still probably the best way to uh, get a hold of anything yeah any exclusives through any other websites anything else we do run a small label with our friends, the Austerity Program, another just astoundingly amazing band from Queens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was going to bring them up because I was listening to them and I wanted to talk about just that whole label. And that was kind of interesting. So it's like a co op type thing. Yeah. I mean, it looks like a label, you know, it looks like a small indie boutique label. It's basically just, you know, us, Austerity Program, and a couple other, like, side projects. But um, it looks like a label, but it's run pretty much like, I don't even want to say co-op, it's more run like a commune. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. We all split um, We all split the, the, the tasks. You know, Justin from the Austerity Program, he's really good with numbers and the legal stuff, so he takes care of all that. We have Robert, who handles all the web stuff, and then there's me. I'm not qualified to do anything technical at all. So <laughs> I, I, I'm the warehouse, basically. I take all the, I, I ship everything out, you know? Mm-hmm. And Justin is also just an amazingly, like, kind of smart and organized taskmaster. So he, mm-hmm. he has kept us on pace for, for getting this record out over the course of the year, you know, weekly Zoom calls, giving like, okay, you all on your task. You all know what you need to do. It's been, we wouldn't have been able to do it without him. <sighs> right on. But Controlled Burn Records is the name of the label. And we do have a website, controlledburnrecords.com, and we have the store on there. And that's where you can get older stuff and T-shirts and check out some of the other projects on there. So that's that's a good place to go as well. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, I like to just give everybody the opportunity because sometimes people find it through different avenues and mm-hmm. may not be the best avenue or maybe an old you know, merch site or something. And yeah. I want to make sure we're steering people in the right direction to, you know, get the band as much promotion and as much money as they can make and everything else from that. And I think it should be up on Spotify and Apple music and all that stuff too. I mean, you know, so, you know, the, the download stuff, but as far as the physical stuff goes, I think you're pretty much limited to band camp and, oh, well, actually if you're in Europe, there's a uh, throat ruiner, which is a, a small distributor in uh, France has some copies. So if you don't, want to deal with the overseas shipping you can get some from them i keep forgetting to to plug that oh. because uh i keep on getting international orders through Bandcamp. i'm like oh god yeah. right <laughs> time to time to you know spend 30 dollars on shipping on a single record just to find out that maybe it never made it you know mm, yeah that reminds me of something i keep wanting to like kind of just mention real quickly and it's not necessarily related to any of that 
but we have like this really high number of listeners from the UK, but we never hear from them. So I'm like really kind of curious <laughs> who these people are. Say hi. <laughs> I, th- I hi. think it's cool as hell, but say hi. I want to know who you are. Probably has something to do with some of our UK guests, I would imagine. Or There's also a strong UK PRF presence. So hmm. maybe some of them are, you know, like friends of Conan's or whatever, you know, or friends of mine. There you go. That could be. I mean, having Leslie on and ranking of Ruby and things like that. We've, yeah, we've got some Scotland, yeah, Scotland, Ireland. We've got a lot of those guests over there. Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of weird. We, it, it, our fan base, just looking at countries, it's like, it's only what, like 74% American. The rest of it's all over the world. Wow. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, we have listeners in Africa and uh, everywhere else. Strange. That's great. Never heard from any of them, but uh, of course they just could have clicked on the wrong link. (laughs) (laughs) Who are these guys? I was trying to get a hold of. They did find out there's another undetermined podcast recently. Yes, but they do like mysteries. Yeah, kind of a a, like murder podcast. One of those uh, true crime kind of thing. Yeah, true crime thing. Probably what it is. It's just looking for murder mysteries. Mm-hmm. Are, th- are there ever any kind of like podcast scene beefs between like, no. like, did you ever consider like, Hey, we've been around longer than you. Maybe <laughs> you shouldn't call yourselves that. It's, it's <laughs> considered, I guess, just in the fact that, you know, I could be a douchebag if I wanted to, but I'm not. Yeah. I encourage any and everybody to podcast as much as I know that the market's getting saturated and flooded. Right. But I am all about anybody doing this as much as they can and I will encourage them and I will give them a thumbs up. You know, they can even rip me off to a certain degree. I am cool with that as long as they are doing something. Yeah. I think it could be something fun to lean into. <laughs> That's really fun. I mean, we, we, you know, for a while, Google searches would bring up two different bands called Nonagon. Now I think it actually brings up sometimes like as many as two or three. Mm. But the first time we ran into it, it was a, it was kind of a laptop, you know, electronic artist out of San Francisco who went by the name Nonagon. And we kind of sent him a note like, Hey, this is pretty fun. You know, like, Hey, I really like your stuff. Right. And he wrote back, Hey, we really like your stuff too. And we always like, you know, we're thinking, wouldn't it be great if we, if we, like, we like toured together? Together and you know, <laughs> and we're still kind of friends. We're still kind of friends with that guy, you know. That would be hilarious. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think more people are worried about it on the other end, maybe than they would from us. But I mean, I, I don't care. Yeah, I remember having that conversation. I think it was with Leslie Ranking talking about band names. Yeah, like there was more than one Ruby. Yeah, mm-hmm. and just like there's always going to be that, and it's like you know. Fuck it. After a while, I remember, I mean, when I was younger, that was the thing. Like if you in the internet first popped out, it's like, if you ever find a band name, that's got your same band name, you have to abandon that name immediately, mm-hmm. you know? And there was like this, but there's so many people out there recording music right now. Yeah. You're going to run into it. Yeah. And now I guess you just look at it and say, how many downloads do they have? <laughs> <laughs> and maybe I'll accidentally get some of their people to listen to us, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. It's all good. In the pre-internet days, I remember going to see a band that was playing, and I was thinking it was a completely different band, but they had the same name. Oh. And I was, like, super disappointed. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, there used to be a band in Chicago. One of my favorite bands from the 90s was from Columbus, Ohio, called Scrawl. Mm-hmm. You know, they were one of those bands that would break up for a while, and then every once in a while get back together and play a show. And right. I saw Scrawl was playing some the hole in the wall club in Chicago. And this was back, 
you know, before the internet mm-hmm. or before I had the internet. And so I called the club and I was like, oh my God, is this, I just want to make sure before I come down there and see the show, is this the scrawl from Columbus, Ohio? And the guy that picked up the phone goes, oh my God, I'm going to kill these guys. Like he was just, <laughs> apparently he had been fielding calls like that for like a solid week because this local band decided to call themselves Scrawl, you know? Oh, damn. That's rough. <laughs> Sorry to hear that. Kind of on the nose, though. You know, you're going to run into that. Yeah. Uh, having a name that solidified. But just people, as long as it's sincere, you're not trying to rip anybody off. Right. Right. Yeah. I never blame anybody. Yeah. Yeah. There's only so many cool words right hey you're gonna run into that so it's where the heart is i think that's what's important but yeah you guys will always be my nonagon oh that's really sweet (laughs) thanks john Uh, but yeah, we don't want to keep you on all night or anything, man. Uh, anything else you want to plug or anything? We want to give you the opportunity besides just bullshit baseball talk. Uh, this has been a blast. Oh, good. Yeah. I feel like my bandmates are going to listen to this and be like, did you, w- were you ever going to even try to talk about the band? But you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how it goes. I'll take this all day. This was great. Thank you. Anything else you want to plug for them, man? You think, or it'll probably never be good enough. Uh, never. <laughs> never be good. You know, we've always been the band that was shy about promoting ourselves, really, to be quite uh-huh. frank about it. And, you know, I, I think that just kind of not being a dick is like kind of our best, <laughs> our best promotion. Yeah. <laughs> so as long as like the Chuck Mosley fan club doesn't, you know, come with pitchforks, you know, no. I, think, uh, no. I think I'm good. They're not going to care. Yeah. No, I bet you be. Chuck Mosley would think it was fucking funny. He I would. think he might actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. We don't want to keep you on all night, but uh, you know, come back on. Absolutely. Are you serious? I'd love to. Yeah, yeah. What's uh, what's what are you doing tomorrow? We're talking to the other Nanagon. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, yeah, absolutely. We love having a repeat guests. So, you know, come back and and it's kind of cool too to get just kind of the interviewee shit out of the way, and you can just bullshit about all sorts of different things. And yeah, I think it'd be really fun. Like back, you know, as when clubs are back open and when shows are starting again. Yeah. It'd be really fun to talk again and kind of, you know, see how, how different the conversation is. Yeah. Well, you gotta, you gotta play Lawrence now, man. Yeah. I'd love to. You got origins to that album title. I even go back to Lawrence. So <laughs> that's true. That's Clearly. true. I can bore everybody with that story from the stage. That'd be great. <laughs> You're right. right? right. You can go play at the jam. Turn everything off. Turn everything off. I got a story to tell. Okay. Yeah. So the jam. It's down. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, now's the time to get a beer. <laughs> exactly exactly john from nonagon thanks for coming on yeah we, thanks. we appreciate thanks. it we had a great time it's good to get to know you i'm looking forward to getting my record yeah thanks for joining the family man for sure it's it, honor and a privilege to have you on thanks to conan 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 neutron for hooking us up and, yeah. and linking us together we we appreciate it and and uh man we're gonna keep going Yep. Looking forward to you keeping going. So thanks for listening, everybody, to Undetermined the Podcast. We on March 27, 2021. John from Nonagon. Bye there, shit. Absolutely. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, gentlemen. <laughs>